Welcome to the Strap It Down Podcast. It's August 3rd. We got a live show today. We're all here in my garage. This is Suds. I got Schwabi. I got Mush. Welcome And back. our special guest from last week, making a return for the job that he did last week. Jack Tui's in the house. Black Jack! <laughs> Black Jack. I love the nickname, Mush. Candyman! So... We're in my garage. We got we got some background noise, so hopefully you guys can handle it. We got some cicadas. We got some airplanes. We got some dogs barking, but we'll do our best to get that noise out. Cicadas. We're, we're going to talk some White Sox baseball. Huge week. We had the trade deadline. A lot is on the minds of White Sox fans right now. Before we get into that, just, just a quick recap of the week so we had the A's for three at the cell and then we hosted the Royals for three we take the series from each which I think we're all happy about I I would have been probably a little more excited if if you throw a sweep in there um maybe one of these days we could win the first game of a series at home but you know we're we're not going to focus that on that too much because we, we want to talk trade deadline. We're going to start with our first segment. We're switching it up today. You lied to me, Rick. We're talking trade deadline. I'm going to go around the horn here. We're going to grade the White Sox trade deadline. We're going to share our thoughts. Schwabi, I'm kicking it to you to start. What do you got on the White Sox performance at the trade deadline? Reese McGuire for Jake Diekman, A+. We're going to DFA Reese. We got a valuable lefty reliever out of it. I mean, that's a hell of a deal for Rick. Jake Diekman, the 2020 Jake Diekman? Is that who we got? Jake, he, he rolled back the clock. He's a he's a spry 37 now. He's he's rocking and rolling, but uh, I don't know. He's old. He's 36, 37, I believe. So um, what what grade are we giving him, Schwabi? I think I mean, that, that deal, if we're just grading that deal, I think that was a great deal. Reese was going to be off the team. Great deal. The deadline performance is an F. That deal is an A. All right, so Schwabi, you're, you're starting us off with an F, which is, I mean, consensus maybe at this point. Mush, what are your thoughts on the trade deadline from the White Sox? Well, I think we could dive into the whole trade deadline disaster uh, a little bit down the road here in the podcast. But Diekman, I watched him today. Sweep, sweeper from the left side. Got a lot of movement on his on his throws. I like his hairstyle, his beard. He's got a reliever mentality, a reliever image. And for Reese McGuire, I'm game for that. That that was a hell of a move. That that was a great move because Reese McGuire wouldn't have been on the team anyway. Right, he would have been DFA a couple days ago or today. So you essentially pick up Deekman for nothing. Uh, quick side note on Deekman: You guys see what number he's wearing? No, fifty-five lefty. Who does that remind you of? Chris Sale, <laughs> Carlos. By what number was Sale? It was forty nine. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. So but his his wind up and approach it reminds me of Sale. Yeah, I so I I think 
It's funny you say that because I saw on Twitter that there was some <laughs> picture of Deekman and it was like sale 10 years into the future. They kind of look alike. Is he really 30 something? 37 <laughs> years old though? Tui, talk to me about the White Sox 35. trade deadline. What do you got? All right, so the grade is clearly enough. I mean, this team had so many holes. This team could have used, used the shakeup. This team had a lot of needs, not just for this year, but I think for the for the next couple years. I'm going to talk about what I think happened. I think Rick Hahn had his mind set on three or four big guys, and he was going to be happy with two of three. And I think at least two of those guys didn't end up getting moved. I think he had Ian Happ circled. I think he had Rodon circled. I think he had Jock Peterson circled. Not one of those guys got moved. And as as comforting it is, as it is that no other team got them, we didn't get them either. So there's a lot of talk about the Sox always being at the table and never, never closing the deal. And... I think we saw at this deadline that no one could get the deal done. So when he came out last night and said he was in a crap mood yep, and, you know, he thought it was a little bit of a seller's market, I don't think he wanted to mortgage the future given the holes that this team has. And I think they're going to take the second half of this season to reevaluate this baseball team figure out who's going who's going to be with the team moving forward and and hopefully retool at the end of the year. Yeah, I so that's a good point, Jack. Rick made some comments where he was alluding to some teams and you know, you could read through the read through what he's saying, right? Like he there were some teams that had guys that needed to be dealt and they just weren't dealt and they were held on by teams where they're going to get nothing in return, which doesn't make a lot of sense. And and we'll touch on that. Jack Peterson's a perfect example. I guess Rodon's got his option, so who knows really what's going to happen with that. That uh, The last 60 days here could determine that fate. But at the end of the day, for me, Rick Hahn, he, I, I, and I don't think he failed yesterday in the trade deadline. And, and by the way, I agree with all you. Rick, Rick Hahn gets enough. It's a... It's a fat F. We put up with five years of a rebuild for us to be two games back in a division, two back, two games back in a wild card for Rick Hahn to make no moves or make one move, which was the Reese McGuire for Diekman. And he didn't fail yesterday, guys. He failed the last five to six years. And, and it wasn't just Rick Hahn. It was... It was Kenny Williams, it was Rick Hahn, it was the scouting department, it was player development, because at the end of the day, if you can't make any deals, if you can't even make a deal, and Schwab, we were talking about this earlier, if you can't make a deal for a reliever on an expiring contract and go deep into the farm to do that, where it's a guy that someone's going to take a flyer on, that basically means that nobody wants anyone on your team. Well, I, th- I think that's it's. We've talked about this in the past few weeks. Is this a failure? It's an organization. 
organizational failure. Absolutely. We've drafted too many 23-year-olds whose value dries up very quickly. And they stay in the minors till they're 28. Right, right. So, like, you see the guys, you know, we talk every t- every year, Legs, you and I talk about the Padres and how they're making deals. When you look at the Padres' deals, half the dudes they're sending out are 19 and younger. The Sox don't have that. The Padres have traded more 19 and younger prospects than the Sox have in the organization. Right? When we go and sign the international free agent class, is typically highlighted by a 22-year-old Cuban. Oscar Colas is 23, and he's in, he just got old, called up. Cespedes is old. Yolbert Sanchez is old. Yeah. Right? The fact that Yolbert Sanchez is not up, like that's essentially a wasted international class that Yolbert was headlined. Right? We, we sign these older prospects typically. We draft these older prospects typically. And it's changed recently. Last two to three years, they've started to focus more on younger players in both the international free agent market as well as the draft. But you need to have your 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 lower levels of the minors and your organization needs to have these young talent or these young players that other teams can fall in love with, that other teams are willing to take a shot on. There's no I'd rather take a shot on an 18-year-old in the Arizona Complex League who has shown me nothing than a 23-year-old in double A who's batting a buck 92. Do you think Rick scarred a little bit from the Tatis deal? I think it definitely hurts. I mean, I think it definitely is in the back of your... When you have a deal that goes that bad. Yeah. If Fernando Tatis is... Pick a, a like a acceptable major league talent. Uh, Jerickson Profar. All right, if you trade <laughs> Jerickson Profar, you can say, okay. Fine. Trade, I'm you, fine with it, right? When you trade one of the guys who is a top five bat in Major League Baseball, I Not think Jerison sure Profar. I th- I think that does it, it. At least gives you another second where you pause before pulling the trigger. And not only top five bat in baseball, but how hard does Major League Baseball try to make Fernando Tatis the face of the game? You know, it's like to the point where it's like, all right, you guys got to like sh- stop shoving it in our face. I've seen enough. So, it, hold on. Let's backpedal there. If you could pick right now, today, who is the face of the next generation of MLB? The face is who's going to be – the face is in who the best player is or who the MLB is going to. <laughs> um, I got three names that just jumped in my head right away. I, I got number one, Juan Soto. <laughs> we could talk about him. Figure safe play. Um, number two, Julio Rodriguez. And number three, I wish it was Luis Robert, but I I can't say it's Luis. I mean, I would probably say Tatis. And t- and two of those guys are on the Padres. Tui, what, what are your thoughts? Who, who Who's your three? I mean, Juan Soto for sure. Which is why, and we talked about it last week, which is why I thought this move made so much sense for the White Sox. But looking at what Washington get back in return, I don't think we could have matched it, especially given the performance of some of the guys on our major league squad. Um, but I go Soto, Tatis, and then 
I mean, I'd love to see it be Shohei Otani or yeah. I mean, Otani. I forgot about Otani. It's it's probably Otani. Right? Otani is probably number one. <laughs> so, Tui, you mentioned something. The return for Juan Soto. I, I actually want to. I want to talk about that. I was probably the most pessimistic last week on the White Sox being able to get Juan Soto. That's a first. And <laughs> when. That trade came through. I was, I looked at the return and I was like, holy shit, the White Sox not only should have been in on that, I think they could have offered a better deal than what the Padres. I, I'm getting a lot to, of shit. To Elder's, to Elder's point so earlier, look at, look at the age of every guy in that deal. Okay. All right. They're look, all younger than, yeah, okay, they're all Gore, younger than Soto. Mackenzie Gore is the top three pitcher in the next two years and he's only 21. So, so let's talk about it real quick. So, the White Sox, right? And here, here's what I'll say. I only want Soto. I'm taking Bell out of the deal. And right. Bell, so Bell is worth, what's Bell worth of what he, what they got in that deal from the Padres? I, I compare him to CJ Abrams straight up. One of, Wood? One of, one Wood, of is, I, Wood was the key to the deal. I would say Wood or Susana. Okay. If it's Wood, then absolutely the White Sox have something more to offer. So here, here's my offer if I'm the White Sox. I'm giving up Andrew Vaughn. So Andrew Vaughn to me is equivalent with C.J. Abrams. The the, uh, the and, and Andrew Vaughn, I know he has like a very low WAR, but that's a product of us playing, playing him right. <laughs> in the outfield. Yeah. So to me, I rather have Vaughn's proved a lot more than C.J. Abrams at this point. But if you recall, the White Sox took Vaughn over Abrams in the same draft. Then we're gonna go to the minor leaguers, right? So who is the top minor leaguer from the Padres? It was Hassel. Hassel. So I'm giving them. Colson Montgomery, that's equivalent to Hassel. I, I guess you would say Hassel's better than Montgomery, but to be honest, I I'm taking an independent view. I'm not I'm not ranking I'm I'm a little biased though, right? But I'm not I'm not taking MLB's rankings at face. Colson Montgomery will fill the Hassel role. I'm giving him Oscar Colas. Okay. And then I'm gonna give them Ramos as well from the White Sox who's having a phenomenal year at Winston-Salem. And then here's my player that seals the deal, which I don't think was in there. You could say it's Mackenzie Gore, but I'm going to put in Garrett Crochet. And I I feel like Garrett Crochet has more potential than Mackenzie Gore. Okay, so again, I, I, would, I would love to tell you Juan Soto is the newest member of the Chicago White Sox. It's hard to... I think Crochet is the one that's going to be the hardest to talk about. Crochet coming, Crochet being vaulted to the majors immediately meant he never got a chance to be on any top prospects list, right? So you, he he literally didn't play minor. He didn't play in right. the minor leagues. Completely went straight to the majors. Yep. He's, so like he's a, he's a guaranteed top ten if he played two years in the minor in the minors. Crochet. I, it's tough to say. Right. If you want to say you have Mackenzie Core and Crochet on a close timeline or close value list, I'll say sure. Here's what I'll counter, though. Because Crochet went immediately to the majors, he goes to our next year? No. He's is in, he? Within a year? This is, this is his third year. It's his third year. 22? But he came out as a he came out as a junior in college. 2020. He made his debut in 20 during COVID. But he played three years at Tennessee. So he's at least... He's got to be 23, 24, okay. 24 I, 25 so years old. So, Sox have one more year of, of team control before he goes to arbitration. He won't pitch that year. 
or he'll pitch 50 innings. So but the next time the a team is going to have full use of Garrett Crochet, he'll be in arbitration. So you're going to have three years of Garrett Crochet, essentially. Three and a half, if you're lucky. Is it four? It's a, is he a Super 2 or whatever it is, or is it only three Based years on of arbitration? Based on Spotrack, they've got him as 2023, he'll be under team control, and then it's three years ARB. So he would have, so assuming he doesn't pitch this year, pitches minimally next year at best, they would have three years of control basically on him. That's fair. Yeah, any, that, that's a fair any argument. smart GM offering to trade with him or trade for him, I'm sorry, would offer a sign and be like, you're going to sign and trade him. That's, but then you can't do that. You Why? can't sign You, I mean, you could sign him and then trade him, but Garrett Crochet has to accept so that. You would extend him and then trade him. But he has to, he has to agree to that extension. And at this point in time, for him to agree to an extension, he would be doing an extension at his lowest value because he's hurt. So you have more control for with Gore, and you have a you have it for a longer term. Well, I I, I want to stop you there because you just said the the buzzword of the night, lowest value. Every person in our organization, with the exception of Colson Colson Montgomery, Andrew Vaughn, and Maybe a couple prospects in the five to fifteen range in the Sox system are at their lowest value. That's a great. Yeah. Point. Why do you think no one wanted someone from our major league roster? Because they've all played like trash for the last year. And I'm not just talking about the first half of the season. I'm talking about the second half of last season. Right. So I think that's that, a great like, point, that's, Jack. That's the big difference with with Crochet and Vaughn are in the same position, right? They have one more year of team control. And then they have their, then they start their arbitration years. CJ Abrams and Mackenzie Gore just exhausted their rookie eligibility, so you have those two guys for a significantly longer period of time than you would have for Vaughn, and then you would have for Crochet. All right, fair point, Schwabi. I did not consider years of control on those players. I I mean that that actually hurts the White Sox a lot more than a lot of these other teams when we got aggressive on an Andrew Vaughn and we got aggressive on a character crochet, well, which those are two of the things that I think are, they're not going to be listed as reasons why the rebuild fails or anything. But two of the things that like, I think are, are kind of not thought about a lot is having crochet and having Kopech. You bring them both. You brought crochet up aggressively. You brought Kopech up, you know, a little bit late, but they both end up, going on the DL for a full year, but be, and because they're up in the majors at that point in time, it counts as another year of yeah. uh, of their time, right? So they go into the they, – they lose a year of team control, and they get into arbitration with you being able to use them one less year than you would have otherwise. Yeah, I, it, it's a good point. I mean, I think every – Every Sox fan in Chicago and across the country was beyond demoralized when five o'clock hit and there wasn't an extra ding on MLB network that said the White Sox acquired someone. How do you not make more? I don't even think we at that point with five minutes to go, I don't think I even cared who it was. Just don't trade away a major piece and get someone to shake things up. <laughs> so it's funny you say that. Han, when they interviewed him, they said, I- I'm not going to make change for the sake of making change. It's like, Rick, what do you what do you mean? You, your team sucks. You, you guys are 500. Literally, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over. So you have to change something. But here's the thing. like, There were little moves to make that wouldn't have been 
change for the sake of change, but that would have helped them. If you get a guy like Michael Givens, who is no great shakes, but Michael Givens is better than Jose Ruiz. Right. Ruiz would be... Here, here is my, my biggest fear. Uh, my biggest fear is it's the last series of the year. We're playing the Twins, and we're tied with the Twins going into that series. Game one of that series, it's a 3-2 to two game. We used Lopez, Graveman, Hendricks, the closeout of one-run victory. Game two of that next game, <laughs> Tony brings in a Ruiz in the sixth inning in a one-run game. Can I tell you the best thing about Jake Diekman? My favorite thing about Jake Diekman, he's pitched two days in a row already. <laughs> he's got more back-to-back appearances than Joe. As he's got the same amount of back-to-back appearances as Joe Kelly, I think. He, he's miracle. probably done more running to and from the to and from the dugouts of the mound than most of the guys in the lineup. Did you see? see did you see the amount of high fives he got? They showed like a little replay of yesterday's game. Everyone in the lineup was giving him high fives, and it's like <laughs> that's sad. Deekman looks that's, good. That's man. our prized possession. <laughs> what if Deekman just turns into the Bobby Jenks? I mean, he was good with Oakland a couple years 2020. ago. Twenty twenty, right? I mean, Dude, so twenty twenty like, COVID year, he gave up one run the whole year. He was really good this year until the last month. Is that so what I mean, happened? The last he's month, got he's great stuff. Like nine eight. His fastball is electric, and yeah. especially when he elevates that. That has some major jump on it. I mean, coming from the left side on that with that sweeping motion is phenomenal. But my question is, like, I'm a little insecure with the fact that Boston gave him up for a recent wire. It's like, what do you know that we don't know? Well, they just traded Vasquez, so they needed a catcher. Like the, you want to talk about weird deadline moves? If someone can explain to me what Boston did, <laughs> every move is like we're a contender, we're a seller, we're a contender. I'm like, I don't know what's, I don't know. I, what they're I doing. don't know. It made no sense. It. There's nothing worse than an organization without a plan. Our plan was and, inactivity. And you know what? So I will I will say a couple words in defense of Rickon at this deadline. Because I was beyond pissed last night. But as I laid in bed thinking about it till like 4 a.m. this morning, because <laughs> it kept me up. I have to say that he was put in a really tough position this year. What was that? You, the position you that don't he know put what this team you don't know what this team is. And honestly, like I said earlier, everyone on the major league roster is at their lowest value. So you you can't even get value out of a guy like Eloy or Mankata because they've been so bad or not in the lineup. So maybe he takes the rest of the, the rest of this season, figures out who's who. Maybe someone gets hot. Maybe Eloy plays the rest of the year. I mean, I think he's got to be kept out of left field to do that, but maybe he plays for the rest of the year, hits 25 home runs in the second half, and, and then in the offseason, he does have a little bit of value. Okay, so do you feel like, besides Abreu betting 325 in August, which we know it's going to happen, happen in the last eight years, do you feel like Rick Hahn has kind of come to closure saying, like, we're not going to win this year, we're going to fill the seats, we're going to make a, we're going to make a wild card run, and... I want to see how the cards fall. That that's exactly as he went into the final hours of the deadline. I think he his mindset changed when he saw what the asking prices were and was like, I'm not gonna mortgage the next three years or mortgage trade pieces this year that I can maybe use next year or in the offseason to fix a roster that 
to be honest, can't be fixed unless people start performing. Do you guys realize how lucky Rick Hahn is? I mean, what what you just said, Tui, was I'm not going to mortgage the future for the next three years. If this is any other franchise, Rick Hahn is fired immediately after this trade deadline. The well, fact that he's thinking he has three more years is crazy. So here, Okay, flip side. If this is any other organization, Rick Hahn doesn't get told by the owner, this is your manager. And if that happens, then maybe you're looking at a different team. It's all right. I'm so, like, that's part of it. Jerry tells you who you're going to hire, and it gives you job security. I'm going to flip it to the other side, and I want to make sure Nikki Legs is recording this because everything's a copy. Every professional sports copycat league. I've been saying that since day one. The new trend is going to be signing one year opt out deals to big name players to A, fill the seats, to B, trade them at the deadline for young talent to invest in their team. Carlos Correa is my number one example of that situation. Carlos Correa quoted, tweeted, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I'm surprised I didn't get traded. Why? He had a one-year opt-out, $25 million deal. Why? Because why would you want to play baseball in Minnesota when it's below 50 degrees nine months of the year? Because Minnesota can trade Correa at the deadline for a premium, get three, four, five prospects expedite their rebuild process to put better talent in their pipeline. And then Korea goes to a winner. And Korea goes to a winner. Happy deal. It's like a happy wife, happy life mentality. And Carlos Rodon is the same mentality. But why the fuck didn't the Giants trade him? I think the guy was beating the fuck out of players in the in the, in the clubhouse. <laughs> Did you guys the see cancer. that? Did you guys see Rodon when he spiked or he kicked the bat? And he who did he hit? Was that Estrada? I think it was Estrada. I oh, love Estrada. He's a great player. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple teams that just did stuff that didn't make any sense. It was a weird deadline. It was a weird deadline for sure. It was a crazy deadline. I'll tell you that. Here's what kills me. The the White Sox, and it, and it just goes back. You make one move, and the Twins, it's like the Twins finished last in the AL Central last year. And you're in your, if you're the White Sox, you're in the prime years of when you're supposed to be competing. And the Twins just kind of made you look stupid. They they traded for Lopez, for Jorge Lopez. They traded for Fulmer. And they traded for Mali. Well, right, we'll, so we'll, we'll I, get there. I but. think I think the, the best comparison to what happened to the White Sox at the deadline is the Yankees last year. I mean, they were routed by injuries. They didn't really do much at the deadline last year, if I remember correctly. And Joey Gallo. Yeah. And then and then the offseason, Joey Gallo was their big guy. No, he, no, they, he, he was, was a deadline, deadline acquisition. Oh, so he, he was a deadline the, guy. But yeah, and yeah. then the offseason they didn't really do much. And all the Yankees fans and all the New York media was like, what the hell are they doing? And you know what? Who's in first place this year? The New York Yankees. So are we the New York Yankees? Absolutely not. They have home run hitters. We have Singles hitters. But. Judge is also hitting a home run every other at bat, so I, it's hard to compare. Judge, Judge has Judge has, to Barry Bonds. Judge has more home runs than in the second half since the All Star break. Judge has more home runs than the whole White Sox team. I mean, he he has no. So now that Abreu went deep twice in the last two days, so did we take? We took. We, Judge we over. took the lead. We now lead Dang. four. The top four White Sox home run hitters lead 44 to 43 <laughs> against Judge. Is Andrew Vaughn in that top four? Uh, 
Juan Pierre, you mean? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, I, I misspoke. That, and that's more an indictment on Frank Menachino than anybody else. Say that name again. <laughs> All right, so we're, we've talked about the White Sox deadline. Let's, let's move on a little bit. We're going we're gonna to do some Talladega Nights. Winners and losers from the trade deadline. Who wants it first, gentlemen? The Padres. Swabby. Yeah, okay. Swabby, kick us Low off. Low-hanging fruit. Again, listen, man. Low-hanging fruit, but it's the, it's the accurate answer. They made Everyone the deal. Knows that, right, but they made the deal for Soto. Here's the thing. Had they just made the deal for Soto, they would have won the deadline. But then they go and they get more guys, and they just, like, they don't stop making deals. Josh Hader. Brandon Drury. You want to talk about a, a fucking franchise that doesn't know what they're doing? Why would you trade the best closer in the league when you're in first place in your division? They ended that up was got, unhittable. Because they got Devin Williams. I don't give a fuck. And, and they ended up getting three more relievers to, to they, stack the depth. What though, they, though they DFA'd one of them today. What did they... Who, no, uh, we I, don't, I, I did not hear that. Lamit, Lamit is my, uh, he's my sleeper pick later in the podcast. But let me ask you a question, Jack Tui. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what are the Yankees, here. What are the they're Yankees, obsessed with these guys. What it's did like, Yankees pay, pay for uh, Chapman? Remember that, or was it the Cubs when, when they traded? What the Cubs trade for Chapman for a closer? Yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't Diddy. It was what's Chet, the other no? It's Glaber Torres. Are we yeah, talking Glaber about? Torres. Are we talking about when the Flubs sold their souls? I'm talking about trading for the best closer in the game when they're both in a playoff race situation. Yeah, so the Flubs traded for Chapman. They sold Clint their souls. Frazier was in that deal. No. Uh, Clint Frazier. For, that, I mean, no, but for no, the first that was, time that was White, at, you're thinking about Miller from the, for the first from time the in White Sox history, we yeah, we actually call. signed a guy to be at the back of the pen, so we wouldn't have to trade those guys at the deadline. Mush, you're thinking about Andrew Miller from right. the Indians. That's a good call on the Indians. We we're talking about so Danellis and Lamb. It was 22 and nine in 2021. No, I, what I'm saying is, is what I'm saying is, is Danellis and Lamb. Needs a change of scenery because he got shuffled to the back of the bus. And you heard it right here that he will be either the best setup man or the best closer in 2023. And that's hashtag mush right there. The New York Yankees. I mean, did they fill every hole they had or what? They they go out in the last five minutes or last three minutes and get Bader to to bolster that outfield. Best I mean, defense of center fielder in the league, right? Maybe behind. They Bucks went and got they went and got Montas Montas. They, I mean, there's nothing they didn't do. And if you're talking about filling holes, which we all wanted the White Sox to do, there's no one that did it better than the New York Yankees. Yes, the Padres won the deadline, but I think for this year, the biggest impact is going to be what the New York Yankees did at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, just amazing to me the White Sox did nothing at all. All right, so I, that's fair. The Yankees, I think they, they definitely had a good deadline. Mush, who do you got? Who's your winner of the deadline? The Twins needed to make a move to put themselves above, in talent level-wise, above the Guardians and the Sox. We always said, Twins didn't have the pitching staff to compete in the long run with the White Sox. That's why the White Sox were going to overcome them eventually. Well, the, the Minnesota Twins made them moves, in my eyes, to kind of nullify, match their talent with the White Sox pitching staff talent 
to nullify that aspect of, of the versus approach. So you have Fulmer, which I have always been a big fan of. Zach knows that. Um, got hit with a lot of injuries in Detroit. Pitching in Detroit's hard. Um, but he was a first-round draft pick, I think, maybe even like a top-ten pick. Um, Male, know nothing about the guy on the red, small market. <laughs> but the guy's been – the guy is – he's always in that like – He's, he's, been, he's been pretty good. He's been he dominated fine. the White Sox. Yeah, Mr. I mean, Persistent. Yeah, okay. He's been a little down Jorge, this year, And then you got Jorge solid. Lopez, and then they solidify their defense on the catcher end with Leon, which, you know, the coming from the with a catcher background, I feel Leon like Leon is a solid play. I, I think the Twins did enough to level up over the Guardians and the White Sox to take the Central. What was the Leon deal? I missed that. I forget where that so, – and then, did you mention Fulmer? Yeah, that's why I just talked about Fulmer, yeah. So they had Fulmer, Male, Jorge, Lopez, and then they got Leon. Yeah, and, and the thing about Lopez and Mali is that those guys are controllable for next year. And I think Lopez even further out, if I recall. Lopez is a guy, I think, three years. Leon, four, White Sox legend, Ian Hamilton. Get out of here. The, the relief pitcher, he got... When he was in Charlotte or Birmingham, he he was literally hanging out in the dugout and got a line drive to the jaw. Broke that that derailed his career. Yeah, how was Hamilton? So he I must be doing you decent. Remember that? It's disgusting. Well, it's because it's a ridiculous story. <laughs> Hamilton was like lights so out Hamil- for the night. Hamilton, a twenty-seven-year-old ready with fourteen and two-thirds of MLB experience, to Cleveland. So he's I don't know. He might be doing okay the, in AAA. Wait, so where was Leon? Was he playing in AAA? He's in Boston. No, he was the Guardians. I I don't. Yeah, I don't even know where he was. He wasn't. I wasn't. Whenever Leon just had the game. I mean, classic. Leon had the game-winning hit for the Twinkies today, which is ridiculous. And actually, Vasquez and Leon had battled it out for the longest time in Boston, and then started splitting trade. But let's dive into uh, who's next. Yeah, I'm I'm next. So here's you guys took all. I mean, you guys good good choices across the board. I think the Astros did some good things. They picked up Vasquez from Boston. I don't know what Boston was doing. Schwabe, you mentioned that. Vasquez is good, man. And and the Astros always had a catcher problem. They had Maldonado. What's his what's his nickname? He threw out he was throwing out the White Sox players constantly. Martin Maldonado. Um and then they traded for Trey Mancini, which I yeah. thought was a good deal. And Mancini's he hit a bomb in his first at bat. Mancini is going to hit so many bombs in your favorite park. And uh, you, so you stole my thunder in Miska Muska Park. There, are you kidding me? He's going to hit pop ups. The guy might have twenty bombs going from Baltimore, where they moved. They just where they're up playing. The left field fence. I hold on. I brought Mancini up about three, four podcasts ago. You sure did. In a deal that I thought the White Sox should have made. Well, I don't want I think with Ma- Odor, and you were like, we have Sheets and Burger. And, yeah, well, and, I, I don't want the same players. We Ma- don't Mancini need another DH. Mancini a- weighs 100 pounds less than all these <laughs> motherfuckers and can run in the outfield and feel the ground <laughs> this ball. This is you missing the point completely. I don't care. It doesn't Mancini- matter. Mancini's a better player than those guys that Mancini I need. Mancini is 100% not a fit for the White Sox. For the Chicago White Sox, Mancini, absolutely not. For the Houston Astros, who need a first baseman, or they could... Put him in left field occasionally. He is the perfect fit. So I'm at the point I, where the White Sox is like, if you could hit, you could hit home. Yeah, you know, put on a jersey and let's go. <laughs> so the Astros, I, I think they did good. I don't think they're my winners of the deadline. 
And Shwa, we were talking about this a little bit. I'm going to say my winner is Tony La Russa because, (laughs) you know, it's the classic. It's like everyone's got an excuse. Literally everyone has an excuse. If, (laughs) if, if the, the teams are underperforming, it's the players fault. If, you know, Tony can blame Rick. Rick can blame Tony. Tony can blame Kenny. It, it's just, I, I'm tired of it. It Tony's now got this excuse with Jerry. It's like, well, you know, Rick didn't do anything to help us at the deadline. So, so you know. A point that someone made to me earlier today is that based on some of the comments that have been made, it almost seems like Rick is getting set up to be the scapegoat here. Well, that that's always it's funny. It's and like maybe, he, and I don't know if they let him go. I, I've never seen that happen in in the White Sox organization where they just get booted. But I mean, it would. I would feel terrible if he gets set up to be the scapegoat. I don't know. I I think it's kind of the opposite, to be honest. Like Schwab, I I don't know which podcast it was, but we talked about this, and I I was kind of calling out Rick a little bit and and talking about how some of the questionable moves he made and and you were the one who talked about like Rick is in the perfect position he he literally can't fail well you don't know who, I mean, we talked about this at the beginning I think this was like one of our first ones yeah because you don't know who's making the deals yeah right you see all the guys like towards the end of the deadline when the, the you know the Sox were connected to certain players they were like oh those guys were in the Diamondbacks when Tony was with the Diamondbacks you know, there's a lot of like Tony imprints on the team. Plausible deniability. I think <laughs> everyone right. has sure. plausible deniability. Adjourned. That, like that's the truth. Is like everyone is gets a the turn. That is the truth. That's a good, know, well put. because is Kenny making the decisions? So I'm gonna I'm gonna take myself out of the situation. I'm gonna put myself up in the high boxes of <laughs> and the ownership from a business aspect. I'm absolutely loving what the White Sox are doing right now. They're two. They're three games back. They're gonna be in the race. They're gonna fill the seats. We're gonna be a highlight reel in the AL Central because of our big bats that haven't come yet. But the best part about the situation is, is when you're going to sign contracts with Robert, Mancada, Eloy, and you're just gonna be like, hey, listen, like this is your career average, the White Sox. We already have contracts with all those guys. You can't. I'm saying like. Renegotiating, moving numbers around. Jack, come on, you're the fucking finance guy here. Like shuffling the deck. We're gonna be filling the seats. We're gonna make the wild card spot because that's just what we do. We're gonna shit the bed, but <laughs> we're gonna be able to justify re-signing all these guys to subpar contracts because they they don't play. And they're gonna be like twenty seven and they're gonna be like, shit, I'm twenty seven. I gotta start playing again because I need to fucking cash out like Tatis is cashing out it sounds like a disaster yeah i mean i think it's a businessman i'm a (laughs) businessman i think it's very clear that the early extensions that the white Sox gave out now vaughn is still still out there but the early extensions that they gave out to eloy roberts and mancata definitely aren't paying off and the cheap contracts we thought we were getting we're not seeing which even is great, close though, to that number in value because they could hold that to them and they put put the paper in front of them at the meeting when they're renegotiating. Be like, dude, we gave you this much money. We pay, we overpaid you based on what your performance was. 
you haven't done shit in the last three years. We're going to restructure. We're going to give you this. Restructure? Then- what are you talking about? You think Yoan Moncada is going to say, yeah, pay me less money? No, Yoan Moncada no, doesn't give a shit. Not, Yoan's it's taking not his cash. I think, I think money. he's saying ex- extend it's, rather it's than extending. Not, it's like, we're going to give you the same amount of money, but we're going to give you, we want another year on the contract. And then we're gonna give you a bonus. It's just leverage, like their their lack of playing right now. These guys are in the prime stages of their career, where they're setting themselves up for a three hundred million dollar contract for five, six, seven years. Dude, they, and they're not doing it. We're talking about twenty twenty six, twenty twenty seven. If they suck, we're gonna say see you later. Why? It's not even that. That doesn't even come up. We're gonna be happy that they're gone. Schwab, well, what are you? They're not right. worth value, right? Right. Again, we can talk about this for a long time. Uh, let's go on to the next. All right, we're moving let's, on. Let's, we, we let's stay in our Talladega Nights and go to our second part. You want to talk one. about losers? Let's talk Aside about some from Rick Hahn and not losing yesterday, but losing over the last four or five years of building a yeah, farm. Not, not including the White Sox. We got. We all right, we're going right now. I'm getting aggravated now because we 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 suffered through five years of a rebuild, and this is the shit that we get to witness. So, all right. We're talking about losers. We're taking White Sox out of the equation because I think we all agree we, we were losers in the deadline. Mush, I'm starting with you. Who is a loser around the league for the trade deadline? I think the Flubs, man. I think the Flubs had an opportunity to capitalize on some young talent. In my eyes, Hendricks, top three available in his position. I think he's better than Montas. Castillo's number one, obviously. Number two, we have Cast- we have Contreras. Contreras, as much as I hate the flubs, I have a lot of respect for that guy. He shows up to play. He hits the ball hard. He plays hard. All the above. Checks all the boxes. Ian Happ, finally proven his worth. Nico Horner, big value there. Christopher Morrell, there's no guarantee. This guy was a was a fucking flyer anyways. That, I mean, Why I- would you not trade Christopher Morrell y- Norm- for some value in return? Normally, I would argue with you and say, no way they're trading morale, but that would be the ultimate sell-high guy. Right. <laughs> that would be a sell-high guy. Because I, I don't know. The guy was, uh, he's, How he old did is he? well. He's young. He, he they, they, they called him up straight from double A. But they're. But when was he drafted? He wasn't <laughs> drafted. Like, he was not no, a No, they're, they're not trading out. morale, but it would be a sell-high. So, all right. I interrupted I think the Cubs lost. I think they could have they doubled down on their triple A talent in the pipeline. They're going to lose the next couple seasons anyways. Why not, man? Yeah. Thoughts on the flubs? It's that's. I think at the end of yesterday, what was apparent, what was abundantly clear to me is that the two teams that did the two that were the most confusing were the White Sox and the Cubs. Like the yeah. fact that the Sugs, the Sox bought no one, <laughs> and that the Cubs decided to not sell. Contreras, who's been on a, a like a full week goodbye tour, um, oh my god, was the amount of tears I saw. <laughs> yeah, I mean, give Hugs me a and break. Kisses, how, they, how many times did Wilson Contreras cry in the last? They say go like, Cubs oh, go when they lost, oh, just so Wilson Contreras could hear it again. God, that is just disgusting. It makes me sick to my stomach. But so, <laughs> all right, so the Cubs and the Whites. How, how much were? Chicago media outlets just salivating over what happened yesterday. They they had to be just loving it. I mean, the talk shows went off in the last 48 hours. It was too easy. It, it, it was too easy, and they had so much fun doing it because, I mean, when you do it every day like these guys do, you do get 
you know, worked up and emotional and to see the just put pathetic performance that these two franchises put out incompetence yeah is it sad to say that if the white Sox and cubs combine the roster they still couldn't beat the yankees or padres no they don't beat the Yankees. what it does nothing because the flubs I mean, who are you gonna take from the flubs they stink give me wilson Contreras, and half i'm just asking the question corner Contreras, <laughs> half i don't know yeah i mush i agree with you 100 percent you're a liar <laughs> the, the flubs the flubs are losers Tui who do you got so I am going to go with along the same lines as the flubs the San Francisco Giants uh, I think they realized that they weren't going to compete in this division probably about a week before the trade deadline and then you know on trade deadline day you see your division rivals making major moves and you decide to hold on to a guy like Jock Peterson who he's a rental bat that would have fit for a lot of teams. I would have loved to seen him come to the White Sox, but you got Carlos Rodon. They got three or four guys that they could have absolutely moved for some solid value that they don't have a ton of control on. And... I just again like the flubs. I just don't see why nothing happened. Yeah, the the Giants makes it, it makes no sense at all. What, why do you keep a guy like Jack unless they think that they're going to make a run? But I don't know. Schwab didn't they make a couple moves? They dealt uh, Darren Ruff. I think it might be one other one. Let me let me look real quick. Yeah. So I I don't get why. I don't know. We talked about having a direction, right? It's like you either go one direction or the other. You you, do, you can't sit in the middle. That doesn't. I mean, that's what the White Sox did for years before they committed to the rebuild. So, yeah, Gi- Giants. I think that's a good answer. Giants made a bunch of like little moves too. Like they traded Matthew Boyd to the Mariners. They traded Rosenthal to the Brewers. Like they were making all these deals yeah. that make it seem like they were selling to keep Jack Peterson makes. Zero sense. Rosenthal yeah. hasn't pitched in two years, my dad. He hasn't, right? But and they, they got signed value him, and they him. were able to, yeah. That's, I mean, well, it's that's, like, it's weird that you sign him and then trade him, right? Well, and I think so they signed him with the, it, they cut McGee, uh, Jake McGee in like the middle of the year. They signed Rosenthal, hoping that he could kind of probably replace that a little bit. And they'd go on a little bit of run. And as they saw they weren't going to do that, they were just cutting bait because Rosenthal, I'm sure, was signed just for the year. Well, and the other thing is on Radon. Yeah, he has a player option at the end of this year, so you could say, technically say he's may have two years of control, but if he has a second half like his first, then he's he's opting out. He's going to go back into free agency, yeah, and he's going to get even more money than he got last year. Contract and if he gets injured and or you know the arm gets tired again, then you got to pay the guy $22 million next year. That was a nice and deal. That's- that's what I was getting back to with the Correa situation. Like, this is going to be the new trend of the MLBs. Is the players going to be able to have control and manipulate their opt-out situation, signing with smaller market teams to be able to manipulate what, what their success? The two-year, the two-year contract with a player option in year two is a very smart move because it takes all From the player, risk out of it takes all the risk out of the year one. Player or owner perspective. 
from a, I think it's a great move from a player perspective. So here's the one thing I was wrong. They can't offer Jack the qualifying offer. Now I think if they offer Jack the qualifying offer, he but probably no, takes no, you're it. not offering Jack. Right, he probably takes it, or you don't offer. Yeah. Him. But they also can offer it to Rodon. They cannot. They can't. The qualifying offer. Yep. But he has a player option. Right. If so he if declines he declines the player it, option, oh, all right. he then can offer the qualifying. Okay. So he either That's keeps the player option, and or that he would hurt his it, value. And then you put the then you give then you give him the qualifying offer, and then you recruit. I mean, again. This is some sound strategy that you're discussing right now. Crazy shit, right? I think I think the White Sox had an opportunity to give him a qualifying offer last offseason. Yeah, it sounds would've. vaguely familiar. Would have been nice. Would have been nice. So if we if the we want wanted- the only way that the ownership can counter this new approach with Correa and Rodon is to offer them, say it's a twenty thousand twenty million dollar contract over three years. One you know player option every year is to give them fifteen million the first year, and then give them twenty five in like twenty eight so, second but, third year. So here's gonna be my my comment. I don't think the players want these deals. This is an ownership driven no. deal. Why would you? Carlos Correa absolutely wanted the deal with that Minnesota. No one was going to give him more. If he would have got three hundred million for ten years, no one was going to give him more. Then why would he not take that deal? This is why. That's why he took the deal. Yeah, exactly. So it's a player. It it, it, it gives the player control of what he does and what his future. I I would say these two year deals that we're talking about, what Rodon did, like that's a Rodon was an uh, a unique circumstance because he's had injury history. So. For him getting the second year on that, that gave him comfort in that, like, he goes out year one, he gets hurt. Because he's got a huge history of injuries. Right. The Carlos Correa, Correa went to the market, and he didn't get the offer that he thought he was worth. So he said, forget about this. I'm going to sign a one-year deal. I'm going to show everybody that you should be giving me the $300 Okay, so you feel like that approach is appealing to both the player and management. Which one? The one-year deal? Yeah, because like you so said, Rodon, one year de- I Rodon think the- hasn't had a great year. The one year, the one year deal year. with the player option in year two is much more attractive to the player. Yeah, the I one like- year deal is is great for management. I mean, if, you're if, only if, committing a, resources the, for one so year. So then the Correa is going to be the next trend in the MLB because it gives both people uh, an the, option. The Correa deal is appealing to small market teams because the Agreed. Twins are never going to sign a guy. To a thirty million dollar contract, thirty million a year for five plus years. Right, They're not. So by doing it with Correa, the hope is that the market resets. People have more money. There are bigger deals going out there. Correa opts out of his deal and right. then someone else. So you get him for one year. Okay. Like that. But here, but I'm I'm coming from a, a management perspective here, an ownership perspective. Carlos Correa. So you signed two players to that Carlos Correa deal, right? You fill the stands. <laughs> Even though your team, you have two big players, you're buying jerseys. Everybody loves these two big players that won World Series before with their prior teams. Fill in the stands, but they're going to opt out anyways. Or you trade them at the deadline because they're that fucking good, and you get top prospects, and you're bolstering your MLB pipeline. Right. It's a good deal for. I think it's a, it's a deal that ownership likes. I don't think it's a deal the player wants. If it was up to me as a White Sox fan. I would want everybody to be on a one-year contract because <laughs> literally there's no risk. There's no risk, and I, I don't mean that in its entirety where you have literally every player, but if I'm signing a free agent, there's no risk to giving them a one-year deal, and you could give them any amount of money because if they suck, 
they're gone right. after the and end in, of the year. In, in layman's terms, it's kind of an incentivized contract because their goal is to do so well that they're going to make more than their contract so they could opt out to take more money. Yeah. All right, so I, I have my loser of the deadline, and then Schwabi, I'm going to pass it to you because you're going to close this out. And I'm not, I'm not going to go with a team as who, who's the biggest loser of the deadline. I'm going to go with a player. You're going to steal mine, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you're going to steal it. I know you are. <laughs> I'm going to go back it. to the floods. Oh, you're not stealing. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. So we're safe. I'm going back to the floods. The loser of the deadline is Wilson Contreras. This guy, <laughs> aside guy's from got no more tears left to cry. Aside from the the three week farewell tour, which was just too much to to handle as a White Sox fan, he gets failed to tra- Jed Hoyer fails to trade him, and now what Hoyer says. After he he essentially tells Contreras he's going to be traded, and now Jed Hoyer says, "No, you know what? Offers were not good enough. We're going to keep Contreras because I think my draft compensation is going to be better than what I was offered." Well, in the meantime, Wilson Contreras is now tagged with that qualifying offer. Do, do you know how much money Jed Hoyer just cost Wilson Contreras? That is a terrible, terrible look to what Jed Hoyer just did to Wilson Contreras. He, if I'm a free agent and I see what happened with Wilson Contreras, why would I sign with the Flubs? Well, most free agents aren't going to have the qualifying offer attached anymore. Like They don't have to worry about the, the Cubs giving them the qualifying offer. In most, because they, mo- cha- they changed their role? Well, no, because they're, well, to a certain degree, but like most guys aren't. A- after a free, they're I, not, I, I get that. The qualifying yeah, you're offer right, right, right. Yeah, there are because, a handful players who get it to the second contract. team, but they're on their next. Yeah, contract. very Fair few. Enough. Fair enough. But at the same time, but it's it's still like it's still the principle of the team of how you treat your players, right? Like, don't you want the goodwill that's built up of your point? Like to me, that was such an fu to Wilson Contreras. It, it was such an fu for what Wilson Contreras did that franchise for that franchise, for them to do what they did. That was that's unforgivable. It's unforgivable, and shame on Wilson Contreras for like. Being oh fine with it after that interview and saying like I'm just happy it's over like no dude you got to be pissed off that's ridiculous what they did they did him they did him dirty but look at what they did to to the guys that built the foundation for the World Series hundred years you know, loyal Cubs players Rizzo Bryant trading those I mean, players allowed them so here's here's what Nikki's talking about by trading those players they're in a better financial situation when they have I the market. I get that I'm not talking about that I'm talking about just the perception. Of not re-signing any of them, right? Like, you, like we thought. I, I mean, I'm not a Flubs fan, but like, we thought Rizzo was gonna be like Mr. Cubby, you know, like the guy, and they traded him to the fucking Yankees. <laughs> Get the guy what he wants. The guy built the World Series for you, Bryant. That was a sour ending, right? Yeah, I mean that it's a different. Yeah, it's another conversation. I agree. I mean, they didn't keep any of those guys. That's tough because if I'm in Jed Hoyer's shoes, I would probably trade them all to rebuild. But that's why it makes what happened yesterday just so hard to understand. I'm I'm just curious here. The the GM that built the White Sox came from the Red Sox. Or built, built the, Cubs. the Cubs. I'm sorry. Built the Cubs came from the Red Sox. What was his name? Theo. Theo. Epstein, right? Yeah. Where the hell is that guy now? He's Working like he MLB. works for yeah, he works for the league. 
Really? Yeah, he's probably just positioning himself to find the next GM job. He's going to run for political office. You think so, Theo? Yep. Interesting. All right, Schwabi, who who do you got for me on the losers? All right, I think we hit the main losers. Uh, So I'm going to go with the funniest trade of the deadline. The Kansas City Royals trade a young man by the name of Whit Merrifield (laughs) to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, this is comical. That's hilarious. From the standpoint of Wit was not allowed to go to Toronto a few weeks ago because he is not vaccinated and be playing Canada, you must be vaccinated. Do you think they did that on purpose? So no. I was I was talking I was talking to our, my buddy Kevin, and he's like, so he must be getting vaccinated. Apparently, though the the the, the uh, Blue Jays general manager is on like we think he's going to, but we haven't talked oh about it. Oh my god! I'm like he's gonna go he's gonna go reverse Kyrie. He's or he's gonna go same Kyrie. He's yeah. just gonna play on the road. It's gonna they be. They should have traded him two, three beautiful. years ago when the guy he yeah, could have brought in sh- first yeah, round prospect. Speaking of losers, the the Royals for sure. That was they definitely they, definitely sell, sold low on on they, Wit. They dropped the ball. All right, that's hilarious. I <laughs> we'll see if Wit gets vaccinated. If he doesn't, that's just that's the best. That'd be so. I'm really gonna enjoy like, watching the guy just play on road trips. <laughs> and then he gets DFA'd, and then Zach scoop him. All right, we're moving on. Next segment, National Signing Day. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a snake draft, and we're switching allegiances. Everyone's fed up with the White Sox. We're fed up with Rick. We're fed up with Tony. We're fed up with Mankata jogging the first back-to-back on a double play ball and then another ground ball. We're tired with 13 singles in four, out of 14 hits today. Hey, Yeah, you, we got the t- one from Jose. And we got one from him yesterday. Yesterday we had 13 hits, 10 singles, 11 singles. We've been over the 80% mark in every game against the Royals. And we're leading the league on Monday we had On Monday we had 10 hits in one run. They were all singles. Right? We're playing seven first base DHs. I, I don't want to talk about singles. I want to talk about walks. I, every time the White Sox walk, I send an alert out. I will argue with you on that, where you said that the biggest problem is they don't walk. The biggest problem is they don't hit home runs. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's a... <laughs> I mean, you could debate it, home for sure. It's, they're both one and the same, in my... I, I, home runs, I obviously would take home runs over the walks, but you got to walk. You can't be dead last in the walks. So, going back to the segment, we're doing a draft. I'm going around the horn... We're going to start with the AL. We're switching allegiances. And this would be, who do you want to root for? Not not necessarily who made the best deal, who has the best team. Who are you rooting for? This has yeah. to be an AL team? AL. And everyone's got to pick someone different? Yeah. AL, NL. Yeah. You know what? No, no, no. Let's scratch that. Let's just go MLB. One, one team each. There we go. I would put the pressure on. One team each. We're switching our allegiance. Mush, who you got? So I'm going to take the Nightmare of Nightmare of Stadiums in the MLB. I'm going to take your own Houston Astros. The fact that you're going to pick the Astros is yeah, it's disgusting. is disgusting and a, just absolutely absurd. You want me to get you a bet, you're gonna man, pick, Jack? You're gonna hey, pick, Jack, tell me when you hit puberty, Jack. You're gonna pick the team that fastball. You're All gonna right. you're gonna Hold hit on, the, let me talk. Real you're quick. gonna pick the team that cheated for the last three years, yeah. beat our socks in the last playoffs. Oh, okay. So they have six starting pitchers in the rotation. McCullers is coming back uh, end of August. Six starting pitchers in the 
playoff series tells me that they have three awesome starting pitchers, two starters in long relief in their bullpen, which is well capable. It's pretty fucking solid to close the deal. Big bats across the board. One of the best in the league in Jordan Alvarez. They have the the vets that have done it before. They got a couple couple bling blings on their finger. Um, great defense, but to me, when you get into the playoffs, it's not about playing checkers. It's about playing chess. And Dusty. I think I think that Astros Stadium is the hardest field to play defense. Miska Muska. And I think. I got mugged. I got jumped there during the playoffs last year, but that's a, that's looked, a difference. Have you looked there. in a mirror recently? Were you we wearing a backpack? <laughs> <laughs> so nonetheless, okay. So the Astros have to get through two teams in my eyes. They have to get through the Yankees. They have to get through the Blue Jays. Right? There, t- that's the top three combo right there. The Blue Jays play in turf fields, which tells me that the Astros have the upper hand on playing on turf because there's a lot of baseball players in this room here. Fielding a ground ball is ten times different on a turf field than it is on a grass field, right? Is that turf, Astros? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, all right. Turf is it turf? It's like a fucking. It's like a ping pong. <laughs> Are you kidding? I, me? I thought it was grass. No, it's all turf. So is the Blue Jays. They're they're, they're both. I I know the Blue Jays is for sure in Tampa. So what I'm saying is is I'm just putting it out there and saying Astros have the best team in terms of like. Cross the board, utility, longevity, etc. They got to play the Blue Jays. They got to play the Yankees. The Yankees are so loaded. They have so much pressure on them that I'm really concerned that I don't, I'm not concerned. Why would I? I give two fucks. I, I think the Yankees are going to collapse. As I'm just going to stick to my uh, my comments a couple of episodes ago that the Yankees are going to have a horrible downfall in the second half. I'm going to take the Astros all the way, man. All the fucking way. All right, so I just Googled it. I'm pretty sure they play on grass. but <laughs> they, they do. I Googled the it's same thing. It's not grass. That is not the grass. Astro, the Astrodome was turf. This is Minute Maid's grass. It's not grass. It's I, not wait, the same I, thing. Welcome into the 21st century. Is the century. roof retractable? We're not playing at Brewer Stadium. Legs. We're not playing at Brewer Stadium. It's this is not natural sunlight. It's not natural grass. What, what are you talking it about? It is retractable. Yeah, it is retractable. Minute Maid Park, man. Wait. It's not natural grass. What are you talking about? I, look it up. I, I'm I'm looking at it. Literally listen, looking. Listen, I don't care. I'm saying it's groundskeeper for the Astros. If you're listening to this podcast, I need you to justify and I need you to hold that the grass from Wrigley and the grass from the Astros. I want to feel it in my fucking fingers. So not why here? All right. So the, the whole point of this Legs, is I don't care. You're not an attorney. You're a fucking numbers guy. You're a CPA. You're <laughs> why not gonna... do you want the Astros to win though? You think they're going to win. That's fine. That's Cause fair. they have, they have all the pieces, man. No, they're, I, I, that's not my question. My question is why do you want them? My question is why do you want them to win? Not why do you think they're going to win? Why, I'm not going to you... bet with my heart. I'm going to bet with my brain. So you're going to, cause I'm you not going to take the white Sox cause Rick Hahn could, doesn't know his ass from holding right. the ground. Uh, so that's and I'm fair. telling you, you that the Astros are going to fucking win it. They're right. going to play the Dodgers. <laughs> All right? That's my NL team, can the we, Dodgers. Can we trade Joe Kelly and just for the When the Dodgers series? go to Houston, they're not going to be used to the turf and they're going to struggle greatly. <laughs> no, because May's going to be back and he's going to strike out fucking nine over <laughs> fucking seven. All right, just to confirm, though, they play on grass. <laughs> no, I don't care. They're, they don't play on grass. Dude, I, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Schwabie, who are you drafting and why? 
Padres, they're everything I've wanted the Sox to be for the last three yeah, years. Yeah, low-hanging fruit. Why don't you just take the grapes that your mom handed you because they're low-hanging fruit? That's a no gimme, man. Again, you're the guy over here saying I pick with my brains and not my heart. I'm picking the team that does what, the so- what I want the Sox to do. They go for it every year. How much are you going to bet? $10 or $100 million? Put your life on the line. I want you to bet your whole net worth <laughs> on the Padres. What do you think? No, I don't. Padres over the Strohs, yes. Oh, are you going to have a little turf. wager between you two? Not on the turf. I, I would. I like this. Yeah, I, if, hold on. I will guarantee you that if the Astros play a home game on the turf, they will win. <laughs> All right. Here's what we're going to do. If the Padres play, if the Padres play the Astros in the World Series, the loser, the loser is taking us all out to dinner. Deal. All right, I'm in. Deal. Perfect. I'm going to take you over. How many to those my, games are on turf? Like, I'm going to take I, you over to my number one Italian spot in Chicago, but I'm going to let you guys know what that's about later on. In the <laughs> all right, all right. So we have a potential like Houston that, Astros, San Diego Angels, San Diego me, Angels, San, so San Diego boy. Padres World the Series. Astros I, play I, on turf, and the uh, Angels are in San Diego. Oh, I apologize. <laughs> I, I was. Hey. I Elder. was referring to uh, the the Padres turning into Elder. When the Astros win the World Series this year, you're going to take me to podcast. I'm when hashtag when that Soto shit. gets paid, and then they have Tatis, Machado, and Soto, and then they turn into Otani, Rendon, and Trout. We'll see what happens. So you know, everyone loves the flair. Uh, you know, this isn't Madden. I'm not playing video games. So AJ Preller with I'm, your toes or your fingers? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I would crush. I'll play mush with my toes right now. And who I'm did he beat with 40. his toes when he played I, Madden? I I beat all you in this garage. Was that right Peter 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 but you beat a lot of people. Beat I beat a lot of people. With my You're toes. fucking out of your mind. But anyway, AJ Preller, the guy, he's all flash. He's no substance. So you know, whatever. Padres win the deadline. They'll probably end up five games under. See what happened last year. Exhibit A. Tui, who's your team? I'm gonna go with a dark horse. I'm gonna go with the. A team from the West Coast. Oh, the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, oh, I like right. that. I like that. Yeah. They I went out. Go. They got Luis Love Castillo that. at the deadline. They bolstered the rotation. They probably locked themselves into a wild card spot with that move. And then you got a lot of guys in this lineup that have underperformed, and yet they're eight games above 500. Okay. You got Adam Frazier. You got... Jared Kalenic, who is a huge question mark for the second half. Yeah, I mean, this guy was a top, yeah, game. a top th- two, top three prospect in baseball. He figures it out after, uh, you know, the like, first half of this year. Three trips to Tacoma. <laughs> hey, may, maybe Tacoma will, will help him. But if he figures it out in the second half and starts hitting the ball over the fence, this team could get hot and make a run. He like got, today. That's Logan, definitely like a good Logan, I, Tui, I love that. Logan Gilbert has been a stud for them. Um, Diego Castillo's coming off their 15-day IL soon. Boyd, they got a lot of opportunity there. I mean, I like that pick. Yeah, it's a good pick. Um, unfortunately, they're gonna lose to the White Sox in the first round. So they got Abraham uh, Torres from the. I'm gonna expansion. leave that there, but that's <laughs> no, that's good. It's trendy, you know. Ty France and making the All Star game and all that. Julio, so, Julio, I love Julio. He's hurt. I think they're gonna struggle a little bit with him hurt. I'm going. So I, I'm gonna follow my I'm gonna follow my NFL allegiance because you know we got to root for the Bears and we got to put up with the McCaskies. We got to put up with Grindsdorf. and I. To be frank, I, I'm I'm tired of rooting for these owners that are not putting the best product on the field and care more about how much money they're gonna 
just have in their caskets versus spending. So I'm going to go to Championship City. I'm going to Tampa. Family has a condo in Clearwater. I, you know what? I just Let's just pack it in now. I'll move to Clearwater. I'll retire young. Without uh, Wander Franco, I'm gonna I'm gonna root for the Bucks because they went after Tom Brady. There's no excuse that the Bears shouldn't have gone after Tom Brady when we had that defense that we had. And I'm gonna root for the Rays because they do everything right. They have a you know it it is. I, I don't want to talk about the budget that they're on because I I'm not a fan of that. But they have smart people that are running their team. The fact that they consistently dominate the White Sox or, you know, other teams with the budget that they have just proves how much smarter they are than every other team. So I'm going south. I'm retiring early. I'm going with the Rays. Take it or fucking eat it. This, my friends, is the best Italian restaurant list. Best Italian top three restaurant list in Chicago. Now, this does not include Elmwood Park, Surrounding airport areas. This is not include Burr Ridge. Because we're going to dive into that here shortly. And I know Jack Attack's got a little something for him too. Best Italian restaurants in Chicagoland area. Number three. This one I carry deep. Tofano's. Tofano's. Cash, cash only. <clears throat> cash only. Located in Little Italy. Right across the street from UIC's campus. Wear your bulletproof vest, ladies and gentlemen. This is the best <laughs> fucking Italian food in the Chicagoland area. Tofano's is, tri- it is on Triple notch. D. It is legit. Um, number two, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of this place, but I got to know the owner real well. Southern Italian guy, which is where my family's from, Little Bares. If anyone doesn't know where that at, that is, it's on the, the back end heel of the boot. We don't associate ourselves with that little island out the front. Bier Carducci in Wicker Park. What's also the name? known as Bier Carducci. One of the best restaurants I've ever eaten at from an Italian aspect. Um, eggplant Parm is my favorite and my go-to. Um, <clears throat> and then number one, with the best Zuppa de Pesh. And I don't know how to fucking spell that. My life depended on it. In the Chicagoland area, number one. Belle Note, located on the uh, southwest side, just, just just south of Greektown, like I said, down Grand Avenue, Grand Chicago, Grand National area. Probably the best Italian food I've ever had in my life. So, a uh, couple, couple comments. Tofano's, outstanding, absolutely in my top three. The night I was born, my, my dad actually went up and picked up food uh, from Tofano's and brought it back to the hospital. At Rush, uh, the night I was born. So that that used to go there for birthdays growing up, and it's a big part of our family history. So your dad, I don't know if you knew this, your dad took my wife and I out to Stefano's um, to celebrate. My wife was pregnant with her first girl, and he took us to Stefano's. Can I redo my list? Because Stefano's is not on the list. (laughs) (laughs) So... I've run into my dad at Tofano's without even knowing we were both going to be there. <laughs> That's I, awesome. I've walked into the bar and he's sitting there at the bar. That's great. But anyways, the other the other place I want to mention, Restaurante Agostino. Where's in, that at? In Elmwood Park. Okay. So technically in the city of Chicago, 
I mean, Agostino and his wife still run the restaurant, immigrated from Calabria. I mean, this food is, if you want good Italian seafood, you, you have to go to Ristorante Agostino. Schwabi, check it out. Your, what are your thoughts, Schwabi? I mean, I'm going to default all my Italian friends when it comes to <laughs> picking Italian restaurants. But <laughs> Augustino's is literally my dad's favorite restaurant. Albert never met a pizza he didn't like. The, so I mean, that is, I can't, I can't argue with you guys. Mush, great list. Tui, well done. I, I'm going to throw another name out there. I'm going to, I'm going to throw Piccolo Sonio in the mix. I love Piccolo, Piccolo Sonio. It's one of the go-to spots downtown. Always You're a crowded guy, right? <laughs> it, it, hey, that's it's good Italian food. There's no doubt about it. So we're gonna close this thing out. We're gonna do the the weekly look forward. We got a preview of next week. Schwabi, I'm gonna pass it to you. What's on the horizon for this upcoming weekend? Series with the Rangers. We got first up. We got Johnny Cueto versus a young man by the name of Cole Reagans. Uh, Is that that's his debut? Debut. I was really hoping when they announced they were bringing up a pitcher from a pitcher from AAA. It was going to be everyone's favorite, Dallas Keuchel. Lefty. Ooh. Unfortunately, it's, uh, it's Cole. They, they thought better of that. There's no way they're throwing Keuchel against us. That would have been awesome, though. It would have made, uh, would have made for a great time. Uh, Friday, we got Dylan Cease versus Glenn Otto. I, I mean, you got to love that matchup. Saturday, we, like got, this uh, one. we got one I'm interested in. We got Michael Kopech versus one of my favorites, big old Dane Dunning. Also known as okay, Nova. So the the only person I've heard of is Dane Dunning, and that's because he was a former White Sox. If we if we don't sweep this series, right? With well, that's, those, that's with game those three. We got one Sunday we got Lucas versus Spencer Howard. Oh my! Uh, God. I thought was in the okay, pen last time I checked. Still stands. So I don't know if that's a bullpen <laughs> game they're doing or they're trying to stretch Spencer Howard out. Yeah, I, I mean th- that's very favorable for the White Sox and. A couple other factors for us, which is we're on the road. <laughs> for some reason, we play better on the road. So I guess I'll take it. Um, and the Rangers just got swept by Baltimore. So you got to you gotta pound these guys when they're down. You, you got to just, we've talked about it before, you got to step on their throats and take advantage. What, so, do we got, what do we got coming up with the KC games? KC series... The projected matchups a little further out, so a little more uh, uncertainty. But we're looking at Lance Lynn versus Brady Singer, Johnny Cueto versus Zach Granke, and Dylan Cease versus Daniel Lynch, who apparently is a uh, all star when he pitches <laughs> against yeah. the Sox. He's a phenom. So he's got two different. He's got an knuckle curve and an knuckle slider, which wow. I've never heard before. <laughs> I still like that. I mean, we we Lynn versus Singer today, Lynn. I like that Lynn gets the Royals back to back. Let's right. get this guy. In no, track. I like that a lot. Lynn looked really well today with like eight or nine Ks. I think over six. Dude, he was. Well, he was his, dealing. his velocity was back. His movement was back. Again, he's pitching against a Triple A team. So right. Royals. So we have. So we have seven games coming up. Rangers, KC combo. I think we need. What we we need to go five and two. Realistically, yeah. I mean, I, I would love five, to be like we're going to be seven and zero, oh, but I think I think any, five and two is is a gimme. Uh, can, I, I w- can we please just win? I, I don't. I don't care about the next seven games. I want to win our third straight a guaranteed rate field <laughs> when the when KC comes well, back you to got, Chicago. You got that's in a while. Uh, the, I, I think the thirteenth. I think that's Detroit after the unless we go there. I got to check that, but I I think you're right. Much like if we don't go five and two, 
just we're forget worthless. about forget about the we're worthless. You, you got to go five and two. You say that, but you know what's going to happen? We're going to go four and three. The Twins are going to go four and three. Oh Guards are going to go four and three. And we'll be talking on a Thursday in two weeks, and we'll be sitting there, and we'll be the same position we've been this, although, this Wednesday. Although we keep picking up a game, and I didn't mention that in the you know when we were talking about the recap, but when we talked last week, we were three games back. If you look at the standings right now, we're two games back of the division. We're two games back of the wild card. So, and I I said this: make up a game a week, and we're going to win the division by five games. The problem is we're chasing two teams in the division. Right when we started this thing, we were five games out, and I know we were looking forward and looking positive, but we've been slowly climbing our way back. Yeah, we have. It's the been question painful. is, is <laughs> very slowly. It's been tough. We know Abreu hits in August, right, Jack? Yeah. What's in- are we going to be able to make a push when we get all these guys back healthy? Robert's coming back, what, in the next five days? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. That'll I mean, be the first time we've been fully healthy all year. What do you think, Jack? What's, so what's the outlook our here? Boy, I'm going to shout him out again this week. Our boy, Jake, Jake Cutta. Jay he posted a, a graphic. I want to say it was either earlier today or yesterday. It showed the each game of the season was a white square. He went back to 2020. There is not, and each each time the core six were played together, the square was filled in with blue. The Sox have gone twenty four and eleven in games where the square was filled with blue. That so, means out of the last three seasons, they've played thirty five total games together where riddle. they've all been in the same line. That's a good win percentage. Not enough games. Hey, maybe if we we all get they all get healthy for once, maybe they do go on a run. Let's, I think somebody should just tell Tony Larusa straight up that this season is going to dictate his career as a Hall of Fame baseball coach, <laughs> and that this, like your last, you know, perception's reality here, and your last impression is your first impression. So Tony, wake up in the dugout. I don't want to see any more fucking little blips of you sleeping. Yeah, and let's get these guys fucking rolling. We we somehow talked for an hour and didn't talk about Tony falling asleep in the dugout. <laughs> That's amazing. That's... I think I think we all wanted to put the last seven days in the past, especially the last two, and figure out how we're going to actually be excited about this team going forward. So I'm going to label this sock season here. My dad <laughs> was talking to me earlier about a lot of different players in the White Sox, a lot of things I can't repeat. Um, if I could name a slogan to this year's White Sox team. I'm going to say, I'm going to call it Living the Dream, Surviving the Nightmare. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it is a nightmare. I'll give you that. You I, must, you I must don't have know, shitty dreams. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what dream I'm living. They're not but wet, I'm I'll tell you that much. I'm certainly surviving the nightmare every time I watch the White You know what the problem with the White Sox is? Even when we win, it's like such a excruciating painful like thing the last, to watch. Like the last two days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, today we have 14 hits. A oh lot, 13 God. of them are singles. Thank God. The Royals. Jose found the the power stroke in the last two days. They load the bases, go to station to station, three hits in a row, and then strike out, double play. It's just like, can we put a game away? It, it's hard to watch, but we do have some momentum. Thankfully, thankfully, we won yesterday. We won today. We win the series against the Royals because if we don't win that series after losing game one, after what Rick did in the deadline, Sox fans are we're, we're on the ledge and we're jumping. So they saved face a little bit. 
we didn't talk about Aloy, which I hate because Aloy, I, I can't remember the last time Aloy made an out. The guy is just unconscious right now and they switched the order a little bit got a loin in that three hole i love it i love that yeah but have fire. you seen him play a ball in the outfield the guy he, so i we, we talked about disgusting. that yeah. isn't he dh last two days he's been dh and bond's been playing left so Aloy, he, he needs to be talked about he if that guy turns back to the silver slugger in 2020 we're in business but and then you get robert back who all, i think was top two or three in the majors in rbis and the like since May 15th or something. So we get Robert back, which is huge. Great point. The two guys we need more from, we've been saying it all year. We need more from Yoan. We need more from Yasmani. But we got a series with the Rangers, four game set. We got the Royals, and then we got the Tigers. The time is now. The time is now for some momentum. Let's go, boys. We got to make up some ground. Next week when we chat, I, I think we're going to be tied. I think we're going to be tied for the division. That's my prediction. With? Um, I'm going to say it's going to be a three-way tie. It's going to be a three-way tie. We're going to make up some ground because the, the, the schedule's getting a little harder for the Twins, getting a little harder for the Guardians. And we've talked about it. This is our stretch. And we're, you know, it's... And what do they say? The night is darkest before the dawn. So... We gotta have some PMA. We're back, gentlemen. Let's go. We this is still the most talented team in the division. We all believe that. And we'll find out next week and see what happens. We'll catch you next time. See ya.